Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, where I'm joined by my wife, Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. In these episodes, Stephanie and I have a conversation about the different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters, because we believe that for those who are awake, we are living in and through the most impactful time in history. Your view of the world is the filter for how you will experience the evolution and changing dynamics of it. Our intention is to provide you with ideas, nutritious food for thought, and some tools that you can use to help you in being your greatest self and living your best life. Listen in. Enjoy. Hey, folks. Welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast. Stephanie. Hey, hon. So uh, for those of you who are on audio, we look good. For those of you who are watching video, we look a little schleppy. It's been a long week, and here we are Sunday evening, and you've had a busy weekend. I have. I just returned from Skate Canada International at the beautiful Thunderbird Arena in UBC down in Vancouver. Uh, wasn't a big uh, trek, but I did end up having to stay at the hotel for a couple of nights uh, with early morning uh, practices and late afternoon events and of course dinner much into the evening to debrief with my coaching colleagues so it was an amazing couple days i missed you dearly and i actually mostly missed the puppies i know you missed the puppies so for those of you who have not heard the podcast before we have two beautiful bernie's mountain dogs and uh some unplanned parenthood and the next thing you know we have six puppies they're now six weeks old so that left me home puppy city so that's all i got to say about that that's why you look so good. Yeah, you look exhausted. It. You look like a mom. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. With a newborn. Thanks. Okay, well, let's get to uh, the conversation today. Now, I've got a couple directions I would like to go with it, but I want to start by kind of, you know, you're just at another world level competition. You had a number of athletes there from three, four countries. I don't even, I've lost five, track. Five, five countries. Yeah. And you, uh, how'd you do? You're on the podium, gold, silver, bronze, silver. Yes, what'd you actually, do? Um, our British team, Great Britain, Lila Fear and Lewis Gibson, yep. uh, took away the silver uh, with a spectacular two performances. And our team from Lithuania, Alison wow. Reed and Solius uh took the, uh, the bronze first Grand Prix medal. Um, it was so emotional and so exciting. And then our brand new team uh, that we're sharing in the U.S., the Browns were fourth. And then our spectacular Paul Ayer and Alicia Fabry from Canada were seventh. And our gorgeous Chinese team was tenth. Beautiful. So for all of our global listeners and our U.S. listeners, uh, I am or the team that you work with and I am, and I want to get to that in just a minute. We do work with USA and Hey listeners. So I got to say that, uh, last 30 days, we broke a hundred thousand listeners on the podcast in terms of downloads, uh, in the past 30 days. So that's a bit of a milestone celebration. When you break that hundred thousand, it's kind of a big deal, big deal for us anyways. And, uh, the point of that, what I was going to share was that almost half of our listeners are based in the U S and so, well, it could be because I'm a U.S. figure skating coach. Could be that. <laughs> could be that. Anyways, so we've both got something to celebrate. Where I want to go with this is that you come away from a competition, and I know you debriefed with your team and you do all of those things, but you know, in the in the world of athleticism and athletes, there's always something. And what did you? I mean, all these years later, what did 
what showed up for you? Every competition is a little bit different, but you know, what do you take away from that in terms of what you learned and or how the teams showed up? And I don't mean the, the on-ice team, although that's, a, of course, a big part of it, but there's the behind-the-scenes team. So front-facing team, those are the kids on the ice doing what athletes do, but they don't get there on their own. There's a whole group of other coaches. You're a mental and uh, a mental uh, performance coach, and then they've got technical, they've got choreography and nutrition, and they got it all that supports them. So anyways, tell me, what'd you learn from this particular competition? What'd you take away? Well, it, this was a big one because it's in our home country, right? And we had one team from Canada, Paul and Alicia, who represent Canada and the rest of the teams that we were supporting are from other countries in the world, um, as far away as Lithuania, U.S., um, Great Britain, China, who all train at the Ice Academy of Montreal, which is when we say I am, it's Ice Academy of Montreal. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about that, it's um, an acronym for uh, Ice Academy of Montreal. Uh, it's a school grounded and based in Montreal. Originally, it was set up for athletes in Canada, so they didn't have to leave Canada to get the best coaching. But what happened as things evolved, of course, we ended up attracting the best of the best, the best of the best of the best around the world. And uh, we have four or five Canadian teams, but the majority of the teams are from other countries. So one of the biggest takeaways I learned, I really got to this weekend in Canada, I here I am in my own country, you know, working with teams from around the world, and in some ways not fully accepted by my own federation, by my own, you know, Canadian country, mm. which was so interesting. But I got to that when you think globally, like I do, I tried to think, how am I going to make a difference in the world? I mean, we take, we, we use that language a lot. Yes, we want to make a difference in people's lives, but I want to make a difference in the world. I want to contribute it at the highest level. And what that means is that I have to be able to risk maybe pissing some people off in my own country um, mm. or being able to step into the world of international sport and international business in a way that elevates everyone around us. But it, sometimes it means I leave my own country behind. Mm -hmm. and, and that was a really hard thing for me to kind of grasp this weekend is, I mean, I've had some people over the years and some good friends who are no longer friends and colleagues who are no longer colleagues because they don't quite understand what we're trying to do is elevate the sport. We want to change figure skating. We want to make sure that sport stays viable in this world of globalization and uh, centralized government and centralized everything, banking. You know, I'm, I'm terrified it's going to show up in sport where, you know, next thing you know, it's just avatars skating around and people vote on avatars. <laughs> sure. It's not real people. You yeah. know, I want this to... Robots. Robots. You know, mm -hmm. I'm really committed to to helping people, athletes, use the vehicle of sport so that they can figure out what it is they want to do for whatever time we all have. Are they doing their best? Are they living their best life? Are they true to themselves? Are they not lying to themselves? I mean, I'm watching some of the teams that we competed against this week, and I thought, you know, there's a real lack of authenticity because it's still just about figure skating. And for me, it's not about figure skating. It's really about how do we identify what's important in the values of sport and bring that to our lives. Well, you bring up a couple things, which gives me a segue into where I want to go with this conversation in a minute. But I want to come back a little bit to, you know, shining a light on something, because what you said was when you think internationally and are kind of at the effect maybe of what is happening nationally. In other words, 
you know, you've got this national body called Canada. Canada, if nothing else, over the past three or four years, I've discovered and really realized just how small Canada is. We're a rounding error on most countries' balance sheets at best. Uh, we're a very small population, relatively speaking, regardless of what we think about our immigration policies. And I don't want to go there, but the point is, is that in order to have a much bigger vision to think internationally, you have to go outside the scope of what is happening nationally in this particular country. And, you know, the fact that it would be very nice if Canada embraced, you know, some of the work that you're doing or I am is doing different to a different degree. But having said that, Canada is just another team in the spoke or in the scope of what it is that you are doing internationally. And as you said, you've got countries from all over the world. So it's an interesting kind of dynamic to think international. Now, why do I go down that path? I want to shine a light on that for a couple of different reasons. Not the least of which is where I want to go to that is that you talk about a vision and the vision's an international vision. It's not a national vision. And part of what took you to a national vision, and I say you and the I am team, is a little bit of what was happening nationally. So in other words, you know, okay, you we can't seem to get it or get the the governing body, we can't seem to get their mind wrapped around what we're trying to do. So we'll just go do it. And there'll be one team of several from around the world that is part of the body of work that we're doing. Is Am I stating that accurately? Oh, 100%. And, you know, it, it got to the point where, it, you know, JD made a great comment today. She goes, I, I, I realize we're not going to change skating. We can only change ourselves. So if we change what it is that we're doing, we change ourselves, we grow and we evolve who we're attracting isn't necessarily going to be our Canadians or the people that we think that we're going to make the biggest difference to. So it's not just thinking internationally. I'm thinking globally. How am I going to save a sport? You know, I, I have this big heavy thing on my shoulders is that I want to save ice sports. I want to be able to well, make a difference. That, but that's a big you know? statement. What are you trying to save it from? Well, I'm not save it from. I want to save it for the future. It's not from anything. Oh. But what I got to today is that I can't do that. I can't, especially by myself. I've been trying for a hundred years. So <laughs> what I can do is keep moving and being honest and truthful and bringing my gift to the world and then see who it attracts. I just got a text um, from a, a coach in Florida asking if I work with single skaters. I'm like, yep, sure do. And then I got somebody um, working, going to be working with a, an international tennis player next week for, the, for four weeks. Fun. So it's showing up, not just in figure skating. So I don't want to think that, I don't want people to think that we're just focusing on ice sports or sport in general. I think there's a place where we, for me, if I can continue to do what I do and be a, as authentic as I can be and show up and make a difference, then people are going to get the results that they say they want in their life. And then I'm doing an okay job. But ultimately, there's no saving sport. There's no saving skating. But there is, for me, making a difference in, in people's lives. Well, this is, you know, again, this is a segue into where I want to go with the conversation. And, you know, tomorrow night, we're working with a small group of men right out here in British Columbia, uh, looking forward to that in terms of making a difference. But in the same context, is it is about making a difference. It is supporting people and being the best that they can be. You're supporting athletes, not on, only in being the best, in this case, skaters they can be, but the best people they can be as skaters. Now, I want to 
use that as the segue because you had this international vision and I didn't really finish the conversation. Darn it, I'm, dropping, I'm running all over the map here. Okay, we'll come back to it. I want to know what you learned this weekend. What? Tell me, give me one, two, three things of realizations that you had in terms of all of the work you and the team have been doing. What really showed up? You know, we use the phrase often that high performance is a result of low tolerances. And that's not easy to develop that. You know, you go from, you know, if you use a car analogy, you're going from a Volkswagen to a Porsche to a supercar. You know, like each level, the tolerances get tighter and the performance gets higher. So how are you guys doing in that scope of work that you're doing? Well, here's my line. High performance is a result of low tolerances. Excellence is performance. In performance is a result of zero tolerances. Mm. So what I got to this weekend is what zero tolerance looks like. Zero tolerance around gossip. Zero tolerance around not honoring your words. Zero tolerance around not being on time. Everything that we do, the plan is so clear. Showing up, camera ready, meaning full face makeup, full hair, being professional, looking, you know, glamorous as much as you can in figure skating at seven o'clock in the morning. I mean, the skaters are so committed to that. There's a zero tolerance around things that aren't in their definition, excellent. And that's not my definition. That's their definition. Mm. So where they want to train, where they want to warm up, how they want to show up, what they're going to wear, how they're going to, what's their body language, how they're walking into the space. Who do they want to be in the next two, three, five, ten 10 years? It's starting now. And every time we walk into an arena, we walk in as this context of excellence. And yes, does it rub people the wrong way? Yeah, absolutely. It does. And I learned that a lot this weekend is that I'm going to continue to piss 50% of the people off more or more just by walking into a room or getting on a bus without even saying a word. And I think it's because, I don't know what it's because, but what I got to a little bit is that the space of excellence that I hold doesn't mean I'm perfect. You know me. I am not perfect. Everyone who knows me on this and listens to this podcast know that I I fall down. I, I mix up my words. I sometimes I screw up on many levels. But the space that I hold is a space of excellence, not perfection. Okay, so that is a perfect segue into what I want to talk about, which when you... Again, this is our third segue. No, this is the time. This is it. This is it. Okay. 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 So being international, being global, you know, being the best in the world, you know, as an organization, as an individual, as a team, et cetera. And then as we came back to you talking about the athletes and, you know, what is excellence and how they show up and how they, the, the level of professionalism and seven o'clock in the morning and being ready and how they present themselves and how they talk and how they walk. And this is the segue that it is because the title of this particular podcast, I wanted to make it who, not how. Now there's a book called who, not how this has got nothing to do with that book, by the way, I haven't read the book, but I'm told the who is about who you're surrounding yourself with or who's on your sales team, or I don't know, some vague, I never did the research on it. That's, this isn't about the book. When I'm talking about who I'm talking about who you're being now, Recently, the and let me just unpack this a little bit more. So 
when we think about the vision that we have and we have goals, so, you know, your athletes are looking for a gold medal. Then in business, we have clients who have business goals and whether those are revenue based or scalability based, whatever that might look like, there is the goal. Now, in along the way, there's a meme and you said, I think it was Waitley that came up with the quote, which is, it's not the goal, it's who you need to become to achieve the goal that makes the difference, okay? What I got to recently, most recently, is the fact that it's not even about that. The vision is, what is your vision for who you are in five years? So in other words, not who you need to become, Who's the vision for who you are? If we look back five years, you know, if we were to look back five years and kind of really give it some thought and say, okay, who were we five years ago and who are we today? There would be few that couldn't say, I'm just a really different person. We've actually talked about that on the podcast. And who you were five years ago, a year ago, 10 days ago, you know, who you were yesterday. I mean, there's these subtle differences. My point is that we can look back and say, okay, we are here today and this is who we are. And we became who we are because of the experiences we had, uh, what we tried, what we failed at, what we succeeded at. It was really just here we are. Few people look five years ahead and say, who do I want to be in five years, in three years, even in a year? And starting to define who that person is. So forget about the, the quote that I hear, when I hear that quote, it implies reactive. In other words, you become the person you need to become in achieving the goal. I get all that. That makes sense. But it implies being reactive. What I'm suggesting is how do you see yourself in five years? Like if you have a vision as strong as who you are in five years, not what you own, by the way. I'm not talking about cars and money and nice houses and trips. Who are you? Who are you surrounded by? Who are your friends? What are you wearing? What's your fitness level? Who are you mentally, spiritually, emotionally? Who are you in relationship? How are you showing up? To me, that's an interesting vision that then starts today, which is exactly kind of what you said when you're talking about your athletes. They look into the future and that journey to who they see themselves in five years from now, that journey starts today. So that was a long kind of context. What's your thoughts? Well, you nailed it. I think so many things have come up for me when you talk like that is there is no, there is no more, you know, you think about who I am today. And if I just, I'm just going to live my life. I'm going to go through the motions, but when I get to the event, I'm going to do more. I'm going to push. And what I've noticed is that when athletes do that, for example, in hockey or in any kind of sport is that they screw up because there is no more. You can't perform or compete more or higher than you train. So when you say that, it makes me think of who am I being today? How am I taking care of myself? Did I get up and do my stretches this morning? Did I make sure that I had my greens? Did I do that? Because I know in five years, I'm going to be, you know, five years older. And I was talking to, you know, some friends today and they said, well, why, why are you working out again? And I said, well, so I can get off the toilet when I'm 50, when I'm 85. You know, so I'm thinking about those things about, but the actions happen today. So from a champion's mindset standpoint, and I'm looking at the the athletes that, you know, for example, Great Britain and Lithuania, who 
were absolutely spectacular this weekend. Like, uh, and no disrespect to the Canadians that won the gold, there it was night and day the level of professionalism and excellence and uh, routine and how they showed up. It was incredible. Even when they would make a mistake, that you couldn't even tell the way that they they just folded everything in to who they were being, who they know they're going to be at the Olympics in 2026. That's who they're being now. They're being that now, even though they're not going to get the results. You know, you can't win Olympics in 2026, you know, today in October of 2023. It's impossible. But they're still doing the work and they're presenting themselves as if and who they're being in February of 2026. That's what's so incredible. And the you just asked me earlier, what's the learning in the context is that you can be who you say you want to be in five, 10 years. You could start that. It starts today. Well, it does. And, and the reason I'm kind of on this journey myself, as you know, but one of the things that kind of got me going in this direction, as you know, uh, as some of our listeners may recall, I hit a milestone birthday of 65 this year. And there was real mental kind of games that go on, nothing negative, but I was really starting to realize, you know, some of the aches and pains that were showing up. And, and I'd really not been committed to the training in the past three years that I had been previously. And, and so that's part of it. And there was a couple of moments in time that we experienced that I went, oh man, this is not happy with myself, who I'm being. And then I saw RFK Jr. And how old is RFK? Is he 70, 72? This guy cranks out 15 pull-ups, 50 push-ups. Like I, I'm watching him, you know, cliff dive on backflips and I'm going, see, there's a guy right now. That's impressive physically, and of course, intellectually, he's off the charts. I'll never be that smart, but not at least, you know, but that's irrelevant. The point is, is who he is at 72 years old. And I go, okay, that's a good benchmark, you know, mentally, physically, he's not slowing down. And I don't have any intentions of slowing down. My point is, is that as I started to and continue to develop the vision for me, who I am at 70 years old, I'm finding that my decisions are a little easier because it's not about a goal that's outside of me. It is literally me. It isn't a business goal. It isn't a financial goal or a number of doors, you know, of real estate. It, it's none of that. This is about what is my goal. So if I want to go off the rails a little bit on my diet, or if I want to make a decision and I, and I'm being tempted to do something, I go, okay, is that what, that guy would do? Is the guy you want to be, is that a decision that they would make? And the answer is no. And so it's, I'm finding it a little bit easier to make those decisions. You know, I haven't uh, been drinking for what, a couple of months, which is just to say that I want to take a break physically. It's not like I have these huge cravings for alcohol, but I was just going, why am I drinking again? Nah, I don't need to. And so these are little subtle things and diet was, my diet's always been fairly tight, but I just was just getting a little sloppy, right? So my point is, is that when I look into who I want to be into the future and working with men, for example, and continuing that coaching program and shift coaching and, and the inner warrior coaching programs and doing that, I'm going, no, I want to be the stand 
that other men will look at and go, okay, that's a worthy goal. That's a worthy, I, I could see myself being that guy. You know, so that means I got to up my bar. And so, you know, I use RFK as an example. There's other examples that I could use. But the point is, is that that's a, to me, that's a worthy vision for who I am. And I'm not talking about how I get there. I'm not talking about branding or marketing or program specifics. That's, that's irrelevant in this conversation. It's about who do I, who do I want to be? Well, let's, um, Pause there for a second, Cowboy. How about telling me what it's like when you're making these kind of choices and decisions? We talk about decide. We talk about the kind of the more the higher level philosophies and context around the things, but you're actually doing it right now. What's it like when you go and you get into a craving and you go to say, I'm, I'm, you know, normally we would sit down after a, a day and we'd sit and have a drink and go watch a show or whatever. And, but now you're, you've changed those patterns. What does that feel like? What is that like for you? Well, that's the key, right? And that's a body of work that, um, you know, I've been following along with Joe Dispenza for a while. And Joe Dispenza says we all are, you know, we live a world of habits. You know, everything about us is a habit and it's not our mental state, it's our physical state. So it's our physicalness that gets into the habit. So in other words, from the moment you get up in the morning and your feet hit the ground, you're into a habit, whatever those habits might be. And you go through your morning routine, your coffee, whatever you do, you brush your teeth, you do all the things that you do. That's a physicalness, that's not a mental thing. And so, what I've learned is that I have a lot of habits. And so rather than try and make my mental kind of part of it, I'm not, I'm less about my subconscious. So in other words, habits are just things that you repeat so that you're not even thinking about them anymore. And so what I've done is I'm not looking at it from a mental point of view. I'm actually asking myself, where am I feeling that in my body? What is the pull that I'm feeling in my body? And that's all, often, of course, solar plex, chest, a little bit in my head, and I don't mean brain. I mean I actually feel it in my head, uh, in my you know, in my stomach. You know, those are like it's an interesting kind of way to understand that it's not a mental habit that I'm trying to break. It's a physical. Our bodies start to think. Our bodies have us believe that it's our brain. There, and it's not our bodies aren't our brain, but that's how they they act. And it's hard to describe, and I'm still new to this body of work, so just studying it. But ultimately, that's what it is for me right now in that terms of understanding it, bringing the subconscious into the conscious, bringing the conscious into the understanding that it isn't my head, it's my body that's taking me down this road of habits. And these, this road of habits was, just comes out of you know, many years of rinse and repeat. And in order to break that, you have to break the physical habit. And it doesn't take as much effort, I'm finding, mentally. That's so interesting because truly our thoughts are in our head, but our feelings are in our body. Mm -hmm. Our thoughts are in our head. So, you know, you can think your way all the way to the Olympics and, you know, you're not going to get there. But the feelings and what it takes to bust through those limiting beliefs and those limiting patterns live in your body. And I'm really seeing the result in you. You've lost like 15 or 20 pounds in the last, I don't know, five days. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, I think there's, there's, a, there's a part of it too that I came to a conclusion, which was really uh, obvious to me. It's been obvious to me over the years, but it really was obvious when we were hanging out 
at the Vault Conference in Florida. And as you and I have shared, we were in this, what's called uh, the CEO section, which was, you know, really a number of high performers. Forget about what the cost was. It was really the majority of people that were there would be considered, you know, high performers. You know, we were the, you know, probably in the top 25 old folks on the in on the floor. But aside from that, we were really surrounded by a group of individuals where they're doing millions of dollars, multi-millions of dollars in business, you know, 30, 50, 100, 300 million dollars in business. And what I noticed about them all, and you would confirm this, and I want you to relate it to your athletes. What I notice about them, as smart as they are, as nice as they are, all the rest of it, they're intense. There's a level of intensity that I see to go to that level. And I see it in a couple of people I know who probably aren't into that $100 million, but they're well on their way, but they're really intense. So I'm back working out with my trainer again. And, you know, even Juan, you know, he, he says to me, he goes, dude, I don't know anybody that works out as intensely as you do. Now, he doesn't mean hard or fast. It's focused. It's just that I take it on. You know, he says, do, you know, 8 to 12 or 10 to 12. I always do 12 and I try and sneak one more in. It's, there's a, there's a, a way I have of being that I'm not so aware of. It's just what I do. But he's, he's comments on my intensity around training. Now, I don't know that, I, and I'm intense in a lot of different ways, but I don't know that I'm, either of us are all that intense when it comes to business. We don't win at all costs, for example. What's your thoughts? I think compared to a lot of people over the last little while, I would say, yes, I would be, I've been called intense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you I getting more intense? I've... Are you you're getting more intense as you get older? I think that's what I'm finding because you start to, it's taken us a long time because we like, we don't like to piss people off, although we do, but you get to a point in, you know, like I'm going to use an extreme case, like, because they're public. I'll talk about a Elon Musk. Okay. Look at Elon. He's intense. And quite frankly, he doesn't give a shit who he pisses off. You know, uh, that could be said about Jeff Bezos or, and I'm only using their names because they're very public. That's the intensity that you've got to exist at. And they don't, really care who, and they don't apologize for it. You know, it's like Milan goes in and whatever, he lays off 2000 people. He goes, listen, we just don't need you. And this is a business decision. And yeah, that's, this business has got to survive. Exactly. Yeah. I remember, you know, I think I've said this before is that level of intensity. I don't have, we don't have at that, we don't have that kill it. Like business is war kind of mm -hmm. philosophy. And maybe that's been our downside over the years, but ultimately the people that we know that have had that have been highly successful in, mm -hmm. in the areas of life. I, I've chosen to have a different balance in, in terms of, you know, I, I don't care. I don't really give a shit if anyone likes me, but the truth is I do have a level of intensity that pisses people off that I'm not aware of, but it's a focus and it's a clarity and that I don't have a whole lot of time for gossip. I don't have a lot of time for casualness or small talk. I don't do small talk at all, which makes me to many people intense. Mm -hmm. And I would rather surround myself with people at that same level of intensity, like I did this weekend, or like what, what you and I do in certain areas and not that we don't hang out and have a great time with our friends and family and neighbors. But when it comes to 
doing business and knowing that I have a responsibility and I'm people's lives and their their results and their success are at the effect of my knowledge or my commitment or my understanding. Like I take this weekend, for example, at Skate Canada so seriously. Mm-hmm. Like I am up and I'm on the I'm on the bus a half an hour earlier because I just want to make sure I'm there in the space. I'm there and I stay up a half hour later. If I'm in the middle of dinner and I've got a client that calls with a 911, I get up and make sure someone pays for my dinner and I leave. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I take a takeaway box. Most times I don't. Because mm-hmm. it's not about me at this level. And that level of intensity, people would say, ah, you know, you're putting people ahead of you. You're not, you, you don't strike a balance. You should eat your dinner and then put your client. I, I'm like, no. I know why I'm there. I match their intensity. I call it energy matching. But you're, if, but that's work mode. I mean, you're game on the same as they are all weekend. I mean, that's they're there to win. They're there to perform. You really, I mean, you're just matching their energy, as you say, because this is a full-on weekend. So, well, I think if if even in in certain areas of life, like if if I want something done, and let's say I've got something going on at the house, and I, I'm getting some support or whatever, I'll match the energy. Whether it's cooking or 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 cleaning or organizing, I I don't, and then I dial it all the way down, and then I walk around in my pajamas for half a day. But ultimately, energy matching is a thing. I don't know if other people understand that, but I want to be able to match the energy of the people that I work with, and then also have them match my level of energy and intensity, so that we can get the results that they say they want. Life is short, you know what. <laughs> If we're going to just be casual and chill and, you know, be super, you know, I don't know, what's the word? Laid back. Just use that. Laid back. It's fine. But that's for for me, that's vacation mode. And rarely do I go into that because even on vacation, sometimes I'm intense. (laughs) So we do have to wind down before we go off on too many tangents. But I want to say this for listeners. You know, there is a fundamental of who, not how. You know, as coaches, we often get asked the question, just tell me how and I'll go do it. And, you know, the hows, especially technically, are something that can be learned because it is, you know, tactile or whatever it might be. There's a system, there's a process. You know, when you start getting into the hows, that's what's there. I mean, in the world of skating, they have technical coaches and then they have choreographers. Those are the hows. And, you know, in the world of real estate, here's the process, here's the system. Even in business, here's the hows in business. But there is a phrase or a, sorry, not a phase, a, uh, a phrase. It is really the who you're being and not even so much in the reactive sense. What I want to get to in this conversation is what is the vision for who you're being in one, three, five years? Look into the future and start working backwards from the vision of that individual. And if being more intense is a thing you got to be, that can take some work. You know, that's something that you're going to have to get over. There's the ego there that's going to try and protect you and tell you not to go there and you know, don't don't rock the boat or whatever the story might be. So when you start to define who you're going to be, how do how do you sound? Who are your friends? You know, what are you wearing? You know, there's there's a place that we don't actually take the time to have a vision for who we are. We talk about boats and cars and houses and vacations and all of the vision, but really, who are we going to be in that vision? So. I'll leave it at that. Anything you want to add? 
Well, I really appreciate this conversation, ultimately, because coming off an international event, deciding who I'm going to be happened when I decided that I wanted to be an Olympian. Mm. And everything was, that was my North Star, and I didn't know what that was going to look like. And, you know, I invite people to look at what, what it is that you want and what it is that you're willing to do to be that and to have that. And to start it now. You know, if you know that the people that you want to hang out with dress a certain way, they show up at certain areas, not without being fraudulent, don't get me wrong. It's not about fake it till you make it. That's mm. the worst line in the world. <laughs> I hate that line. Well, okay. Anyway, it's about who you want to be. And and I really have seen that over the years is that you can show up for who you want to be and start to vibrate and resonate with people and opportunities that you want to draw to you in this stage of life. And that's really what I think what you and I have done, and that's what I continue to do in the world of sport, is I want to create a space for athletes to really excel and step into the who they're being from a, from the highest level of excellence, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever that means to them. So yeah, so thanks for this conversation, hun. Okay, folks, that's it for another episode of The Everyday Millionaire. Thanks, Stephanie. That was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others, share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.